Welcome to the 150K Podcast, where we help take your dreams to six figures and beyond. Have you ever had a dream of being successful, living a life you love? If so, this podcast is for you. From practical applications to tools to help you level up, I am going to open up my network of success so that you can achieve your life by design. So sit back, grab your pen, and get ready to level up. Welcome back to the 150K Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Graham, where we help take your dreams to six figures and beyond. Today, I have with me special guest, Jen Morila. And see, now I do, we were talking, this is funny, we were talking beforehand about how I could say it in the American way or the Spanish way. So I kind of just halfway butchered it there. So I'm sorry, Jen. I didn't come out of what I was wanting. But Jen's a, a business expert, sales expert, marketing expert. You've been in the entrepreneurial space for a pretty long time now. Um, mm-hmm. And I met you, of course, guess where I met her at a George Bryan event, because that's where I meet everyone. But for people <laughs> that don't know you as well as I do, actually, I really don't know you that well yet. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about what you do, your background, and how you got going in all this funness. Uh, well, first of all, Joe, thank you for having me. This is always so fun. Uh, you kind of got it. You know, we got to practice rolling those R's. It's Maria. <laughs> Maria. There, there you go. go. <laughs> there you go. Um, but... So who am I? What do I do? So, I mean, you you nailed it pretty well. I'm a business marketing sales expert and I help people grow to six figures and beyond. That is definitely my sweet spot. Um, it's interesting because I feel like a lot of what I do is help people create really good products. Um, I'm Cuban, I'm Latina. And so th- I think this is in my blood and in my genetics. I'm really resourceful. Mm-hmm. And so like, I will look at a situation and be like, hey, we don't want to spend money there. We want to spend money here. And you can probably take this and do this here. And I didn't realize how good I was until I started doing it with for myself and other people, more so other people's businesses. And I was like, wait a minute, this is, you know, I know normal people don't normally think like this. Um, but I started out my career um, as a marketing uh, executive. I was working for an account agency, for an account manager and an agency for about five years. Um, do you want to hear the whole, the whole sure, story? Sure, sure. Okay. However you want to, this, so this is I your start, story. Started, I'm not going to tell you how to say your story. Well, my whole, cause it's, it's a long story. <laughs> it's, it's a long, it's a long journey. I, I didn't get here overnight. And I think that is um, very important to say, cause I think a lot of people, if you're listening to this and you're just starting out, you'll compare yourself and it's like, don't compare yourself to, you know, apples to oranges, two different fruits. Um, <laughs> so I started out as um I was working in marketing agency as an account manager for about five years. But prior to that, um, I was working, uh, I went to grad school. And then before that, I was also working in a marketing agency. And then before that, I graduated college in my early 20s, um, being that I'm Hispanic and anybody that's listening and is Hispanic, um, you probably understand that like we grew up very like family oriented. And I mean, you don't have to be Hispanic, actually. You could be any culture and you're family oriented, but um, very close to my family and I had a younger brother who passed away. And that really started everything for me because it happened in my early 20s, very sudden out of nowhere. And um, it was a very traumatic experience. And it really shifted my perspective on life and who I was and what I was doing. And and that is the core of why I do what I do. Um, I always tell people money is just the manifestation of the results that you get mm-hmm. when you work with me. And it's wonderful. Um, but the truth is that a lot of the work that I do with my clients is so much to the inner inner being of who they are and how they show up in the world. Right. Um, I work with people who want to create some really big impact and do some epic shit, you know, wait, are we allowed to curse on this podcast? Yeah. hundred percent. You're good. Okay, cool. 
<laughs> making sure. I just had George on. We, yes, oh. you, you, you can curse. You're no problem. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I actually <laughs> did see that. I did see that. I've been wanting to hear it. So I'm going to listen to that one. Um, but yeah, and so I, um, my senior year of college, um, I lost my brother and we were Irish twins. So you're going to half apart. We were super close. And that really shifted everything for me. And, and it was one of the hardest years of my life. Um, I went from a, you know, three, eight GPA to a two, two, almost not graduating. Um, I didn't care. Right. I grew up, like I had these certain standards and I had these, you know, I had checked all the boxes. Um, and then, you know, my life took a 180 and I was like, who am I, what am I doing? What is the point of all this? And so I went into a really deep depression. Um, and I struggled with that for about four to five years, um, while grieving the process of my brother and, and everything that was going on. And, um, I was working, I went to grad school. I don't even know how I finished grad school, all the things. Um, and then I went back to work and I, I just found myself doing the the same routine, but always falling back into the depressional state. Right. I had like waves of like, I'm doing okay to like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm doing pretty bad. And like, uh-huh. you know, suicidal thoughts and, and all the things. And, and I got to a place where I was like, I don't think this is how life should be. Right. Yeah. I don't believe, I mean, I'm, I'm Catholic, grew up Catholic, but I consider myself pretty spiritual. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that we were brought into this earth, whatever you believe in to suffer. Right. Yeah. And so I was like, what is the point? What is the purpose? And so I realized that I, I am the creator of my reality and I do get to make choices. And I really started to shift that perspective in my life in my relationships and my friendships in all the things. And so I was working corporate. I loved my corporate job, believe it or not, because mm-hmm. I loved my boss. He was amazing. Yep. He's one of my favorite people. And so today we're, you know, we're still very much in touch. Um, but what I did ultimately didn't matter as much. And I really wanted to make an impact. So um, I quit my job and I started traveling the world um, as a travel blogger, but as a, oh, purpose- nice. as a purposeful travel blogger. So I carried clean water filters to developing countries and I worked mm-hmm. with social and sustainable brands but it's sustainable travel. And so I really niched down because I came from marketing. I understood that if I could like really find a twist in the industry, which was needed, that I would stand out. And I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew I knew it was going to work, but I didn't think it was going to work that well. And it worked. It worked for three and a half years. It kicked off. I was on Forbes. I was on TV. I was on the Huffington Post. I got to travel to 44 countries. Oh, wow. That's very cool. Pretty amazing brands. Um, but you do that for three and a half years. And I was 24. Five, going on 29 I mean that, yeah so there for three and a half years I did so I was like 28 29 um and I got I was exhausted mm-hmm. I got to a place that I was like okay I'm ready to like have a routine and like you know have some like steady friendships and relationships and like, yeah yeah I just I want to like you know go to a coffee shop and like people like remember my my name long enough to be there um and so I came back to New York because that's where I'm from um and I it was interesting because I slowly began it was almost like a natural evolution because at that point I had built built so much credibility and I had built a brand I was being asked to like speak on stages and um really just inform people of who I was what I was doing what I could accomplish all the things and really educate my audience on how to build a brand online and I first my very I sold my very first online course which was an $11,000 launch. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I was like, oh, there's obviously something here. And so then, bada bing, bada boom, I started 
fully began pivoting and I launched my YouTube channel and all the things and I grew uh, my business to what is it today and so it's been a total of five years in it's been a total of eight altogether five mm-hmm. as a coach um hold on Joe I think my food's here <laughs> No, I was just going to say, we had a little technical difficulty there, but uh, you were talking about how you had traveled the world, which is kind of crazy cool, with a niche, which is something that I think people need to remember to do. You don't want to go wide. You want, are you, yeah, you don't want to go wide. You want to go deep. And then you were talking about how you started or you've been like five years into coaching and then we had that little glitch. So I just want to kind of bring us back to where we were. Yeah. So um, five years into coaching, eight years altogether. Um, and I, I really, you know, specialize in helping people market and, and grow their business and scale it to, uh, to six figures. But that's my, my whole story. You know, there's definitely been hiccups along the way. It hasn't been as easy, um, as you know, you look at it from this point, but yeah. Yeah. Well, but you had a lot of stuff you went through because you were talking about in the beginning, you were doing the traditional route a little bit. You had the family, you had the big impacting moment with your brother passing, which Mm -hmm. that's a very traumatic thing. You kind of got into the corporate world, didn't really like the corporate world as much. I mean, it was okay, but it wasn't your passion. So you reinvented yourself again and you found a way to get to travel the world in a niche doing something that you believed in. And I'm sure you got a bunch of experiences there. You come back, you start coaching, which opens up more doors, which opens up stages. And I just want people to realize this. You are super successful, but it was an eight-year journey. It wasn't like you just said, I'm going to be a coach this week. And tomorrow I have, you know, 20,000 followers and all this stuff in the thing. So what did you, was there certain things along the way that you learned that developed you into the coach you are, or how how did you go from, well, even that, from being the travel blog, which is kind of a niche to actually coaching people. And if I've read your website, well, you, you specifically coach women mostly, not that you can't coach men, but that's kind of like your jam. How did you make that shift? No, I mean, these are great questions. They were, and actually my birthday is on Sunday and I just finished writing today, the newsletter that's going to go out tomorrow. And I talked about like the top 10 things I've learned. Oh, nice. That I'm like being 34 Mm -hmm. um, and you know, what I've learned over the years in business. And one of the, the, the top things off the top of my head right now, where I had said that, um, there's a difference between how much money you make, how much money your business makes and how much money your business profits, right? And so um, the industry that we're in really punctuates and like, I want to say like inflates the beauty of like having, you know, a hundred thousand dollar month and like, well, it's wonderful and it feels really good. And like, Mm -hmm. you want that for your business. You know, there's so much that goes into having a hundred thousand dollar month, right? Yeah. And so, you know, paying a team, paying yourself, paying taxes, like, it's not like that money's just sitting in my bank account. That would actually be really nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yep, know yep. what I mean? And so, <laughs> and that goes with like any, any, any cash months. Right. Yeah. And so I think that was like the, one of the, one of the big lessons I learned. The second thing was being yourself. I think that was, it's, it's been a journey. I started this career as a solo entrepreneur at 25. Right. And here mm-hmm. I am about to make nine years as a solo entrepreneur um, before I was working at corporate, I was a social media manager and I had that as a side business. So I've been an entrepreneur for a total of 15 years, mm-hmm. right? 
started in my twenties with that business. Um, I've always been an entrepreneur, like looking back my, first of all, my parents were entrepreneurs. Let me state, yep. let me like just start the, the stage there, set the stage. Both of them are Cuban immigrants, um, high school degrees. Uh, my dad has an unfinished college degree and they're both ridiculously successful and they've done so well for themselves, but it was a very different mindset. Like they grew up in the mindset of in order for you to make money, you have to work hard to make money. Uh-huh. And I've surpassed how much they've made at an age at this point in their lives. Um, and, you know, just as a solo, right. Cause they did it together. Uh-huh. Uh, and that was one of the biggest like ceiling breakers for me. It's like to be able to, to see that differently than them. And it doesn't have to be so hard. Right. And that's something yeah. that I work on on a daily basis because it's so wired in my brain and because I'm such a female. And I think this is a, a nurture thing that we females do. I've worked with men in the past. I enjoy uh-huh. working with men. I'm going to say this. I enjoy working with men a lot more than I do with women sometimes. <laughs> Men have their own issues you have to deal with. I get it. Yeah, get but it. you guys, you guys are very <laughs> logic driven. Yeah, and you're very numbers driven, right? And while there are some females that can separate the two, it depends on what stage in business, right? So mm-hmm. something I talk about after you hit six figures is really learning to hit to remove the emotion from running your business, right? Yeah. The most successful, first of all, most businesses fail within five years, right? Because mm-hmm. they've removed the emotional attachment, and then it's all about the numbers and the logic, right? And if in five years, that number, those numbers and those logics don't match, usually businesses tank, right? Yep. Yep. And so with men, it becomes a lot easier because you guys are mostly masculine, obviously, and you're mostly numbers driven, becomes a lot easier for you to separate the two a lot faster. Mm -hmm. And I hate to admit it, but it's the truth. And I've worked with women over and over and over, and it's what I've seen. And then I've worked with men over and over. And I'm not just talking about building online businesses. I've worked with all kinds of business already e-commerce. The majority of the businesses are Mm service-based, but I've worked with e-commerce. I've worked with brick and mortars. And like the biggest thing and the reason why I do enjoy working with men is because it is very much like I can call you out on your shit. Ah, some men, I will say that. Well, I mean, <laughs> there's always a exception. Yes, shit. yeah. You're yeah. willing to see it and then you're willing to make the shift. Whereas like women, that also can happen, but it might take more time because there's more emotional charge behind it. Yeah. Um, so th- I think there is a lot of, of that in different. So anyways, uh, one of the biggest things that I've learned is being yourself. And it's one of the hardest things and like showing up 100% who you are. And then owning it and trying not to compare yourself to other people, mm-hmm. trying not to see like, oh, I should be here because I have this, you know, th- this still happens to me. You know, I have a half a million dollar business and I don't judge my business month to month. I judge my business quarterly. Right. And that was yep. one of the biggest shifts that I had to have mentally because last month was, you know, a $50,000 a month, but this month is going to be $90,000 a month. Right. Mm-hmm. So I could sit. I could have sat on, you know, January 31st crying like, oh, I had such a shitty month. Like who I am. Or I could just be like, okay, you know, it was okay month. It wasn't the greatest. I could do better next time. What did I learn? What did I not learn? What do we got to do to make this different next month? You know? And so I think that the, that was one of the shifts is like a hundred percent being yourself. And it's really hard to be Mm -hmm. yourself, especially in a room with people that you love and care about, you know, family and friends. Yeah. And so really, really being yourself and not just from a business perspective, but also from a personal perspective, you know, I'm 34, I'm single. I don't have kids. I have a dog. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to have a family. I want to do all those things. And I also really want a badass career. And so for me, my priorities have been different. And I think that's important to shed light on is that not everybody has the same goals and dreams. A majority of my friends are married with children or pregnant and 
and a different stage in life and having building that commonality is hard uh-huh. um, when you're not there. Um, the other one that I will share on this that I thought was really good and the rest, you'll have to listen to my, you'll have to go read my newsletter. We'll do. I got uh, you. <laughs> is the, um, I said the money, I said the, the be yourself. And there was, oh, um, oh, what was the other one? Be yourself, be an uh, unapologetically who you are. And there was another one that was good. Oh, yes. When you start a business, you always want to start one. And I remember hearing this in my early 20s from one of my bosses. And I was like, oh. I mean, I get what you mean, but I don't really get what you mean. Uh-huh. Um, and it's always stuck with me. But he said, when you are looking at a business, look at oh, when you start a business, always start it with the idea of selling it, even if you never sell it always start with the idea of selling it because now I know that means that if you can sell a business, that means it's scalable. Yeah. If it's scalable and you can make more money. Right. And so I wish somebody would have told me that when I first started, not to say that travel blogging wouldn't have been scalable, but it is a lot harder to scale. Yeah. I'm just trying to think. Then it does, then it does an online that. course or a group <laughs> program or a physical product or anything like that. Um, and I think that that's something that, um, Yeah that, that I wish somebody would have told me from, from the beginning. And if, and if I were somebody that's just starting out, I really not only just look at the business, but look at the core product of what I sell, like is what I do, is it scalable in my case? Yes. I've created products and methods and way of doing things that I'm slowly removing myself. And like, if somebody Mm -hmm. were to want the program or the methodology, they could, they can buy it. Right. Um, but yeah. No, that's very interesting. So you said a lot of good stuff there. One, I bet you your parents are proud of you that you were able to do that and that you found an easy way because like I grew up in the country, same type of thing. You work hard. It's not it, – it's a great thing, but you have to work hard and then work smart and develop the mm-hmm. skills so that you can become and do what you're supposed to do. Second, okay. being yourself is hard. Like I think because a lot of times we get in rooms with people, like even the event we were at in Austin or Montana, sorry, when we were in Montana, and there's people in there that people would be like, whoa, this is that person. And if you go up and fanboy people, and I was talking with another guy had on here named Mike, and he was saying the same thing. If you go up and you fanboy these people, they're going to look at you as a fan. But if you go up to them and talk like we're talking right now, now you're equals. Now we can do business together. Now we can do different things. So I I love that. Um, And then just getting out there and doing the things you need to do. And then I did like what you said about that because I'm thinking about my business now because I started about a year and a half ago. Would it be scalable? Now I got something to go and do some homework on because right now, probably not because the podcast is based around what I'm doing. The coaching is based around what I'm doing, which is fine. I like doing it. Um, so let me ask you this, because we're talking about first-time entrepreneurs and people that are trying to break that six-figure barrier. That's kind of mm-hmm. the people that listen to us, sales professionals, entrepreneurs. So mm-hmm. they get the idea. They get the fuzzy dream. They start moving forward with it. What's their next step that you normally tell people if they're setting something up? Someone comes to say, hey, yeah. I have this dream to be a well, youth coach. That's easy. To be a coach in volleyball. I don't care. You can throw whatever you want in there. What would be like the top three things you would tell them, hey, you need to do this? We know be yourself yeah. is one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing I promote very much is don't marinate in doing something too long. So there's a difference between thinking about something off the seat of your pants and then like taking stupid action. Mm-hmm. Like if you were like, Oh my God, I'm going to create, you know, a, I did this once. Okay. We'll laugh at this. So I big YouTuber when I first started as a travel blogger 
And I used to watch a huge YouTuber who used to do daily vlogs. And I became really good at editing my own stuff because obviously I couldn't afford to have anybody edit my stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, you know what? I really want to like get these, I want to get viewers like really fast. So I'm just going to start doing daily vlogs. So daily vlogs, it's, it's a lot of work. Yep. Recording, editing, cutting those clips, putting it like, it's just a lot of work. So here I am one night, I think of this brilliant idea. And the next day I'm like, great, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it. And so while I'm, I'm, I laugh at myself, I'm also really proud of myself because mm-hmm. I did do it and I took messy action. And so one of two, one of two things could have happened, right? One, I could have continued and um, it, it would have maybe at some point taken off. Um, I lasted about three weeks. Mm-hmm. which I didn't think I was going to, but I posted every day for three weeks and nice. my, my channel did pretty well. Um, but I burnt out really fast, mm-hmm. very fast. It's like a recipe to burn out like that. <laughs> you want to tap and do that. And so I learned from that mistake. And now my clients come to me and they're like, I want to start a YouTube channel. I'm like, hold on one second. Like about what, right? Like mm-hmm. I know what to start a YouTube channel about. I know how to do it. I know the importance of creating that. And so when I say take action, I mean, if you're thinking about something for more than a week, okay. And you have the structure in place, you have the product, you have the idea, just fucking do it. Yeah. Don't be marinating in it for three months, two months, because you're going to turn around. It's going to be a year later and you're still thinking about doing it. Right. And at that point, it's not the idea that's stopping you. It's just you. It's just mm-hmm. you and your mindset of like getting something done. So the difference between hitting six figures and not hitting six figures is having fast action. I find that when in my business, I spend the majority of my day making decisions Mm -hmm. between my, my COO, um, ad spend, um, communication between clients, deadlines, when we're going to launch this, how do we need to create this? What colors this needs to be? Um, if I want to get on a sales call, if I don't want to get a sales call, if I want to do this press, if I don't want to do this press, like literally what I spend the majority of my day doing is making choices. That's literally it as a CEO. Mm -hmm. And I found that the difference between scaling to 10 K months and then scaling to 50 or a hundred was the faster I make those choices. And it all goes back to your values and the decisions that you have, the the values that you hold within a company. Right. So I think people really undermine the importance of having a mission and a brand values because when you don't know how to make choices and decisions in your business, go back to that. Go back to the the core of why you do what you do. Because when you're making these decisions really fast, it's a no-brainer. If something aligns with your with your mission and your vision, mm-hmm. fucking do it. If yep. it doesn't, don't do it, right? So I would say be who you are 100% authentically. Number two, take messy action. And then the third thing I would say is um, sell, 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 sell. Sell your little heart out. <laughs> sell your little heart out and think long term don't think short term like value your hour your time right Mm -hmm. like a lot of people come to me and they're like oh I can sell for one hour and I'm like okay really does that serve you like do you really want to get on a one hour well if I charge like 500 bucks and I'm like really you want to get on a one hour call for 500 or do you want to sell 10 spots for $500 mm-hmm. and work with somebody. And number one, you're going to get them results because I think people, they, they look at the numbers, right? They look at the vanity of the dollar signs and they're yep. like, Oh shit, like I can make $500 or you can put 500 people in a room and charge them $500 each and tra- work with them for three months and get them results, get your clients results. When you have yep. the proof is in the pudding. 
Like once you, and that takes time. Like, like you said, you're not going to wake up tomorrow and have like, you know, 20,000 followers and a hundred thousand dollars in your bank account. If that were the case, we'd all do it. Yeah. Yeah. And and I don't want to jump off this too fast because I'm in the sales world. I love sales. Been doing sales for 17 plus years. Uh And it's funny because I think people get so confused with sales is just a made up number. What value are you bringing to them? If you bring them enough value, they will pay it. And you know what's funny? The people that pay you more actually put more time and effort into it than the $500 client that you're just helping mm-hmm. out because you have the mental block. I just want to make yep. sure we clarify that. Now, there yep. might be some times you have to do a beta group or might have to, you know, like proof of content yep. so that you can do that. And those would be the people maybe you do that for. But I loved what you said there because I think a lot of times we get too caught in our head. I'd rather take someone through a six-week course because then I can actually work with you. I can go over yep. each piece with you instead of you give me for an hour. I can fix yep. stuff and I can help you, but it's not going to help you the same way as me walking along with you to do it. Just like what, what you're doing. If we talked about my business for an hour, it would help me. If we talked about my business with you for like uh, three Six to months. four months, I'm going to yep. see a significant increase because it's time over attention because there's little things that I have to do first, step one, two, three, and four. So no, I think that's brilliant. Exactly. And and I will say this, you know, when I was um, a travel blogger, one of the biggest things that I learned is I would carry these clean water filters to developing countries. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest challenges that I had is I was a white Westerner going to these countries. And here I am dropping in these communities, some water filters. Like, first of all, you have to understand that that's like walking into someone's house. Like if I walked into your house right now and I was like, Joe, I don't like the color of your walls. They're not yeah. good for you. You're going to be like, first of all, who the fuck are you? 100%. Second of all, get the hell out of my house, right? <laughs> and so it was the same concept with these people is like, they didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. So they're drinking water that's brown and it's mm-hmm. full of bacteria. And so here I am not only bringing in these clean water filters, but also educating them on how to take care of it. And so there was two things that I had found. One, they weren't listening to me because I wasn't their people. Yep. And even when I went to Spanish speaking countries, yes, it gave me a little bit of an upper, upper hand, but I still don't look like them because I, right. I mean, I, I look like a white girl, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, now I have dark hair, but normally I have blonde hair. Right. Mm-hmm. And yep. so when I met that you, was, blonde was hair. huge. It was huge. Like yeah. people judged a book by its cover. So that was the number one thing that I, I recognized. Like he's like, you can't, and I looked at it as sales, even though it wasn't, and it, and it kind of was, and I'll touch on the second point because I wasn't able to empathize with them. I wasn't able to meet them where they were at. There was no value that I, and I think you were talking about this in your stories the other day about Peaky Blinders and that guy that you had a conversation with. Uh And I was like, people underestimate the value of just having that very small connection with someone, right? So that's the first thing that I would say I learned. And then the second thing was, there's something about the human psychology that when you ask somebody to put a dollar to a thing, it changes the way they look at things, right? And it changes the way they show up. Uh So there were a lot of companies that I would, um, a lot of organizations that I'd work with where we'd like go to these community centers and we'd like revamp their supermarket. I did this in Greece. Um, We basically took a warehouse and cleaned it up and turned it into a shopping mall and it was for the refugees. Now, Uh none of these refugees could work in Greece. None of them had money. They all fled Syria. So they were exchanging goods. You would walk in and you exchange a sweater for a sweater Uh or like a pair of shoes for another shoe, a pair of shoes. Right. And that was kind of like the concept behind it. They couldn't just walk into the store and grab stuff. They all felt really guilty doing that because all of them are super educated people. Yeah. Um, Once had paying careers and now they have nothing. So they're starting from nothing. Right. And so a lot of what I used to do with these, with these organizations, when I brought these clean water filters, I would have them buy it. Now from, the U.S. standpoint, the water filters were $50. Mm-hmm. 
So I would have my community, I'd do a fundraiser, my community would buy them, right? Yep. And then I would sell them to this community for a dollar, a dollar fifty, depends on where I was going. And then I would take the proceeds and I would either buy the, because in order for the, the filters to work, you'd have to buy the buckets. Uh-huh. I'd have to connect them with buckets and, or I would buy them the tools that they need to clean it. So I buy them soap, paper towels, and stuff, and I would teach them how to use it. So I was repurposing their money, uh-huh. but it gave them an incentive to utilize those filters and clean those filters. So each filter was for 100 people for up to five years. So if you implement them in a community of 500 people, I mean, that could last you for a very long time. Yeah. And so that changed the conversation that I was bringing to the table because these people would show up. Uh-huh. They would pay attention to me, clean them. Um, you know, I, I would partner with a community leader. So it was maybe like a priest or, um, in Bali, it was, um, a community of surfers. And so like the, 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 the company, the, not the company, the community leader that would teach little boys how to surf, um, he partnered with me. And so the community would listen because it was him, obviously couldn't speak the language either. So it was him talking, but they listened because he vouched for me. Right. So those are the two biggest things is I think as a huge, as humans, psych psychologically putting a value to, even if it's just a dollar, what that value is to that person is important and they will show up versus me just giving it to you. Yeah. And so I find that that's really important that people will change. People will show up when they're basically putting their money where their mouth is. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned some more really good stuff there. Empathy. First, you have to be able to connect and relate with your people that you're talking to. Stories sell. We have been selling stories for thousands of years. You watch yeah. the old shows in the market. They're telling great stories of this is from the princess, the dragon, whatever it is, right? So right, we know right. story sells and you want to connect with people. And then again, 100%, if you don't have skin in the game, you don't care. But if you're paying your hard-earned money to learn a skill, to learn a set, to get access to something you don't know, now you're going to put a lot more energy and effort into it. And it just, it makes more sense there. So let's shift a little bit here because I like this. As a super successful person, Mm. do you have like a morning routine that you do? Are you more of a fly by the seat of your pants? I mean, you traveled a lot, so maybe it's more you just have fun. But how do you, how does your day run to be efficient and effective? Meditation. I think meditation has truly changed my life. Um, when I started, when I really was deep in depression and I was, you know, and I, I see a therapist and that, when I started seeing a therapist, um, she introduced me to meditation. And I remember the first time I meditated, I was like, this bitch is crazy. Like, there's no way I can sit down for more than two minutes and like, yeah. just like, listen to like, what does she want me to listen to? Like mm-hmm. my mind won't shut up. And it's not even good thoughts. It's all really bad thoughts. So I was like, she's crazy. Like she's absolutely crazy. But I, you know, pushed through and I did it anyways. And one minute turned into five minutes, five minutes turned into 10 minutes. And now I can meditate for a whole hour if you told me to. Oh, wow. So um, that is the number one thing that even when I travel, because I still love to travel. Now I just do it when I want to. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I saw you were in Australia. I was in Australia and I was in Mexico and I just got back from a family vacation in Dominican Republic, um, which was awesome. But um, just waking up before anybody and just giving myself, I have like, you know, George taught us the floor and the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I have my, my ceiling is, is 20 minutes and my floor is five minutes. Um, and I'll just wake up, sit up right away when I wake up and I'll just meditate and ground myself. And that was like the one thing when I'm traveling and I'm in a place for a very extended amount of time. So when I have time to have a morning routine, it's meditation, it's journaling, and then it's a workout. Mm -hmm. or I flip it around. So it's either a quick workout 
where I'll go for a run for 20 minutes and then I'll come back and I'll meditate and I'll journal, whatever. Um, I definitely prefer to meditate as soon as I wake up because I'm in that state of relaxation yeah. and, you know, just really being connected to myself. It's, it's the perfect time to do it before I go to bed or, you know, in the morning, but I make it a point that no matter what, that is something that I do. Um, but like I say all of that and I want to preference that like that doesn't make you successful or not successful. Yeah. And that's a dangerous conversation because I think there's society and like this industry specifically builds so much pressure on having morning routine. Mm-hmm. And I have ADHD. And so someone like myself who took a really long time to get to this point and have discipline, um, like almost punished herself for not having a morning routine. And like that meant that I was going to be a failure. And that was a story I told myself for a long time. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I want to preface it by saying that's not going to make it or break it. What's going to make it or break it is the discipline and the promises you make to yourself over and over and over. Which I um, love. I love. Yeah. I, I just want to commend you for that because a lot of times, and I've talked to this will probably be episode 125. So I've done a lot of podcasts and a lot of people they are like, it's funny to hear, but there's success leaves clues. And I think that's the point of it is have yeah. a routine that works for you so you can be disciplined, successful, and hit your metrics. But yeah. people get so hyper-focused on, if I don't do this right now, I've ruined the day. That's not how it works. There's times I meditate in the afternoon. I've yeah. gotten up to 10 minutes. That's like my max. ADHD as well. Like, But I'll drive in silence or you'll see me walk a lot and that's mm-hmm. my meditation. But just to sit and meditate is hard for me. Um, yeah. But I think it's just finding what works for you. And then like you said, floor, ceiling. I'm going to do at least this today. If there's a great day, it's going to be here. And then hitting your metrics, your needle movers, whatever word you use to move your business forward. So I didn't want to just jump past that because that's huge. And all because I think too many people think, oh, if I miss this, it's not going to be there. It's yeah. your choice. It's your fucking yeah. vote. That's the thing people don't realize. You're building your business. It's your voice. You get to do what you want. Yeah. And it's it's honestly, like like I said, like it's you get to make it as important. The whole principle behind it is to create discipline. Mm-hmm. Because so I have this theory. And I'm I don't I mean, I'm pretty sure there's facts backed up behind this, but I haven't done my research. But based on what I've seen working with so many entrepreneurs that I have, we as a society are wired to work for other people. Like we're taught to work for the man. Mm-hmm. Um, a nine to five schedule was created in the early 1900s because of industries, because of yep. factories, right? People went to work early in the morning and they got home before the end of the day. But like, that's where a nine to five schedule comes from, right? Mm-hmm. And we just adapted that over time. You go to school and they teach you how to work for someone. You go to college, they teach you how to work for something. They don't teach you how to solve problems. Right. So when you become an entrepreneur, your way of thinking is difficult. This is why all this shit comes up when you're an entrepreneur, because there's no one to ask for how to make decisions and choices. You are the only person. (laughs) And that's where shit hits the fan Mm -hmm. because people don't know how to make their own choices or decisions. People listening to this have done the corporate route, do the nine to five, have checked the boxes have done the thing that they were told to do because they were told that they never questioned it, which mm-hmm. is fine. I did it, right? And when you step outside of that box like us and we try to do our own thing, all of these insecurities, all of these doubts, all these fears show up because we're doing something different. We weren't wired to do this. Yeah. So it's really important that you have a type of discipline that reminds you that you are in control of who you want to become and who you want to be in the world. And when you play on that field, 
it's up to you how you want to play. You can, I like baseball. So you can be on first base. You could be on second. You could be on third. You could be wherever the heck you want. It doesn't matter. It's your fucking field, uh-huh. right? You get to choose who plays on it, who doesn't, how fast that ball goes. If the ball stops, whatever you want. And I think that that's what trips up entrepreneurs. And that's the difference between getting to six figures and going beyond six figures. Um, I'm, you know, I'm on mark to hit a million this year. Uh-huh. And I gotta, I gotta be honest, like, it's tripping me up a hundred percent. Like the inner work, I do more inner work on a daily basis, but that is the discipline that allows me to keep going. Then I would say you would think I would do, you know what I mean? Like you're probably like, Oh, well, you know, she's doing sales every day. I'm like, yeah, I'm doing that, but I'm also journaling. And I'm also listening to really good podcasts. And I'm also paying attention to who I'm having fucking conversations with. Yep. Because if I have a conversation with a negative Nancy and she ruins my whole day or my whole week, that vibration is here. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's really constantly pushing forward and doing that. And when you become an entrepreneur, like all those choices are up to you. And and I will preference, neither wrong or right. Like you could do whatever the heck you want. It's up to you. Yeah. But the choices are up to you. Like you no longer have a road or a box to check. You create the road, you create the boxes. Yeah. Well, and that's why we're so different, but yeah, that's why we love it. It's yeah. like what feeds our soul. And it's weird because like you said, there's very few people that I can talk to that understand this. Like I'm still in that transitional stage. I still have my nine to five, but I've started my business. I'm doing all that stuff. But right. I also had to remember because I'm very aggressive. I just started less than a year and a half ago. And in the beginning, I was just brand building. I've been doing coaching six months. It has to take the time to build and grow because I'm the guy that's like, hey, I can go and do this. And making choices, I've well, here's my joke. I've been in sales, so I've always said I've been in entrepreneur light. And that's yeah. just the bullshit excuse I was giving myself to say, I'm an entrepreneur. Even though yeah. at that point, I wasn't. I was just liking the fact that I was making money, making more money than most people with stuff. Right. But it's when you actually bet on yourself and take those risks and start to step out and do things, then it's like, okay, I have to make this decision. But then your day's not like the normal nine to five. Like I get up right now for this season at 4.30 in the morning because it's working for me. Mm-hmm. Because I go to the gym at 5.15. So it's, it, it's I'm I'm wanting to do that. And then I have some clients that I'm training, but it's not going to be the whole time. I'm not like the 5 a.m. club. This is what you have to do. There was times I did everything in the afternoon. It's just for this season. And you just have to be adaptable. I think that's the other thing. Have your disciplines, be adaptable. And how bad do you want to make what it is you're making? And do you even know what you're making? I think that's the, I don't tell me if I'm wrong, but that, that seems to be the key for most people. They don't know what they want. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they have an idea that it's fun, but then they realize, oh, shit, this is work. Oh, crap. I have to be consistent. Oh, wait a minute. They're going to expect something from me. They're not just going to let me be on the Instagram and throw money at me. No, I actually have to deliver on what I said. Yeah. And I think that's why, you know, I think that's what is it, a 89, 90% crash rate with entrepreneurship, with business, with building. Yeah. But when you win, you get to go to Australia. I'm taking my wife to Hawaii. We're doing different things that are like people don't get to do. So what suck do you want? Really? What do you want? That's I'm sorry. I went on the tangent there. But do you want to build the life by design you like? Or do you want to work for someone else and build their life? Exactly. 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 And it's what's the saying that is an entrepreneur's journey is be willing to do what most people be willing to do the work that most people won't do. In order to have the life you want. That's what it is. Yeah. Well, and, and that's what it comes down to. We, we would not have met if I wouldn't have met George a two, about a year and a half ago and started doing what I'm doing. Like awesome. the people that I know in my world just in a year and a half 
are so crazy. much cooler and so much funner and so much like stretching. It's like, these are my people. I feel good around these people. It's not like I don't understand anymore. And no offense to anyone that does this because I know so you're some sales professionals. You just want to make money. I've done that. That's great. I don't understand now coming home afterwards and just being nine to five and sitting on the couch and doing nothing. I can't. Yeah. If, if like I, It's not my DNA anymore. I used to love football. Now I'm like, I watch it a little bit. I mean, we watch, <laughs> watch baseball. What, what was, was your team? What, what was your Lions football team? Fan. I'm a Lions um, fan, so I'm definitely loyal. See, I, I joke with my wife on that all the time because if you're a Lions fan, you're loyal. But I live in Texas, so I have a Rangers shirt. So I'm, for baseball, I'm a Rangers fan. Mm, okay. <laughs> Are you an Astros fan? You're not. No please way. tell me you're not. Okay. Cool. What is your team? I know you said you like baseball. Yankees. <laughs> okay. Cool. We're fine with it. We gave you a lot of our players recently. Yeah, some of them yeah, are good. Yeah. Some of them yeah. are not. Yeah. But I, it's just, I don't like, we'll, we'll, we'll do different things. But I just don't understand that concept anymore. It's like it shifted finally. It is. It's really different. Um, And it's, it's even funny. Like when I talk to friends and like, Oh my God, have you seen the show? And like, Oh, you guys should watch it tonight. And like, I gotta be honest, I rarely watch TV. If I really watch TV, it's because I'm really trying to zone out and like discompress. Like for me, TV is not, it's almost like a numbness. Yeah. Because I, and I don't want to say it's not, it, it brings pleasure, but not as much as like listening to a podcast, reading mm -hmm. a book. Like tonight, my plan is to finish my vision board. Yeah. <laughs> And so, like, I will most likely have a podcast going while I'm putting together a vision board. So, like, trying to explain that to, like, my mom calls and she's like, what are you doing? I'm putting my vision board together. She's going to be like, oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, my sister <laughs> yeah. will ask me. And she'll be like, oh, okay. She'll call me again tomorrow and I'll be like, oh, I'm listening, reading a book. They're going to be like, oh, you're drinking wine? They're like, no, actually, I'm just reading. I'm just reading a book. I'm just, just leveling up. This is what I do now. Yeah. This is what I do. I'm 80. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's you're building your life that you want to live. That's the thing that most people don't do because they normally just buy into the matrix or buy into the thing that they think they're supposed to do. Like Midwest, where I grew up, you're supposed to get a job, get married, work yep. for the same company for 50 years and retire, hopefully with a pension to get to go on one trip. And I'm yep. like, I don't want that life. That does not sound like fun to me. Yeah. No, that does not sound like fun. And you're absolutely right. That's definitely the Midwest mentality for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's why we have to go in and create new things. So I appreciate this. We've been going almost an hour and I know you got food, so I don't want your food to get cold. I just thought about that. Sorry. Um, it's okay. Where can people find you? They can go check me out on Instagram. They can go find me at jennifer.marilla and that's M-O-R-I-L-L-A. You can shoot me a DM. Let me know that you're listening. You heard me on Joe's podcast and uh, yeah, Joe, this has been awesome. I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> Yeah, no, we, we, I, we, we sat at the dinner with you, me, and uh, Guthrum. Got, is it yeah. Guthrum? It is Guthrum. No, yeah, he was Gunther, on my Gunther, Gunther, Gunther. <laughs> I watched, okay, so I do have a little thing. So when I do watch shows, it's like Vikings or like old, weird, yes. like medieval things. That's my thing. Damn, me too. Yep, yep, I like that. Vikings. So you've seen Vikings? You've seen all the seasons of Vikings? I We did. So my wife and I have this thing to where at night sometimes we'll watch a show together. Just we'll take an hour or something. So. It's family time. So I've finished Vikings. I've watched Vikings Valhalla. And then mm -hmm. I watched a long time ago, The Last Kingdom, which was pretty good too. Yeah, that was good too. We, that's what we were talking about at dinner, The Last Kingdom. We were, yep, yep. 
Yeah, because yep. I made that joke, and they were like, "What? Why are you talking about these people?" Well, I mean, I, it's a great show. I I like it. Well, yes, because you were talking about how attractive the guy. <laughs> I have no problem saying it. Like I've been happily married for a long time. I can say a guy's attractive without it being yep. a big deal. It's like, oh no, it's not what like. What's his name? Uthred. 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 Beckenberg. Yep. Yep. Uthred yes. and Citric and all of them. Yep. I remember now. That's they hilarious. Were so good. Yep. Yep, so yep, see, yep. now we're going a little bit off track, but see, this is why you do this. So you can have life together. We talked about this in a nice restaurant in Whitefish, Montana, overlooking the mountains, mm -hmm. doing mm -hmm. life together with other entrepreneurs, because when you build a life you love, you love living your mm -hmm. life. Anything Absolutely. else you wanted to leave with our guests? I mean, you can talk about Utrecht a little bit more if you want, or any, anything <laughs> else that you want to leave with the people listening. Your wife's going to get jealous. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm good. This has been wonderful, Joe. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And for all of you listening, share this episode with a friend. Go like and comment. And until next time, live your life. It's your choice. Thank you for listening to the 150K Podcast. Remember, your dreams become reality when you take action on them. Feel free to reach out with any questions on Instagram at 150K Podcast. And until next time, keep pushing. You're worth it.